If I can just offer a word, a pastoral word of gratitude for all of you, it has been such a gift to be with you in this way over the last several months, people from all over the world, all over the country, and of course, close to Holland and Pillar. I've been so blessed by your grace, your patience, your understanding, your generosity. Uh, People have sent emails and notes of kindness and encouragement. We've even received financial gifts to support the mission and ministries of the church from all over the country. Uh, Thank you so much. There's a give link on our website for you to support the mission and ministry of the church. There's also a link outlining our response to COVID, our, our effort to love our neighbor well in this season. We're also two weeks away from moving inside Pillar to worship Sunday morning. September 13 will be our first Sunday inside. I want you to be as aware as I can uh, help you be uh, for what that will look like. There are, we'll continue, of course, to offer the online uh, worship experience. We'll do that until we're like holograms in your backyard or Christ returns, whichever comes first. Uh, but then also on Sunday morning at Pillar, there will be two services, 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. There will be, we'll wear masks as an act of hospitality uh, to our friends and neighbors. Uh, the, the sanctuary is divided with cords. It actually looks quite nice, really, so that households and cohorts can sit together with enough space between them and the next household. Uh, there will also be a 10 a.m. service at the warehouse on 6th Street. I think it's 136 East 6th Street uh, In addition, there'll be a 7 p.m. service geared towards college students at night. All of the services at Pillar will also have large TV screens on the porch with sound piped into the front yard so that if you want to experience something of community but aren't quite comfortable coming inside or you just like it more, uh, you can uh, experience the worship service uh, out on the lawn for uh, as long as winter allows. It's our way, the language we're using is multiply services to minimize crowd size, compartmentalize community in order to limit crossover. Of course, our heart would be this wonderful mix of multi-generational life, but in this season, it seems good to multiply services to minimize crowd size, compartmentalize community in order to limit crossover. Uh, It'd be a great gift if you'd be willing to... uh, respond to us as to which of those opportunities you'll participate in most regularly, even if it's online, or just saying, hey, I'm not ready for any of that yet. Uh, That'd be a gift to us as we get ourselves ready uh, for September 13. For now, we're going to do what people of God have been doing for a very, very long time. Return to the Word of God was the word from the disciples, Lord, to whom shall we go? Yours are the words of eternal life. In a world that seems complicated because it is, in a world that appears complex because it is, in a world filled with opportunity, possibility, challenge, and difficulty, Lord, to whom shall we go? Yours are the words of eternal life. Uh, So open your heart with me as we gather around the word. Uh, This week, uh, Parents and grandparents and 
caregivers across the country began the process of launching their children back towards school. For some, that meant waking up as they normally do, sitting in front of a computer screen, throwing the AirPods in and doing online education. For others, it meant uh, uh, school clothes shopping with their uh, parents to get the new scrunchie and the new backpack and whatever. Uh, For me, Wednesday morning, I woke up, my daughter Tabitha, she was already awake actually, Uh, she's the seventh grader, brought her to the middle school in God's providence. She got out of the car right in front of her cousin Ahava. I saw the two of them uh, walking into middle school together with their masks on. It was an image of grace for me. Um, Then Lydia, the ninth grader, I brought her next, dropped her off in those big sidewalks, walking into that big building with those big people. I shouted, I rolled down the window, shouted to her, I love you, Lydia. She looked at me and rolled her eyes. I think she was smiling though underneath the mask. And then Mariah, the fifth grader, she was the last in the caravan, brought her to the elementary school on the corner of 32nd and Van Ralty. She was so excited. She got to go uh, school clothes shopping with her grandma. She got some pink shorts and a pink scrunchie to match. She got a lunchbox that fits into her backpack. She was so excited. She set her alarm that morning for 7.15. Otherwise, having enjoyed the time frames of coronacation, she'd wake up in the early hours of the afternoon. But this time, she set her alarm for 7.15, but got up at 6.30 anyway. She was so excited. We drove up to the school. There were children all around the outside. They were masked, covered in backpacks, bigger people standing next to them, so nervous and anxious, wondering about how, how is this year going to go for my special one. There was a moment as I dropped Mariah off to her first day of fifth grade uh, that I want to tell you about in a minute, but first I want you to return with me to my favorite Bible verse. If you know me, you know it. If you don't, you're about to find out. It's from the back of the New Testament, from the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 5. Jesus says, Behold, I am making all things new. Christ, from the throne in glory, shouting over the realities of time into our life, into your life, into this day, behold, I am making all things new. And I wonder now, I wonder with you, if that grand announcement about what will be one day lands into our lives, gets inverted in our days, and offered back amidst the complexities of our lives more as a prayer. Lord, make things new. Make things new, Lord. Is that what it's like for those living in California, in Colorado, as fires blaze, in Louisiana, in Texas, as winds and rains pound, all amidst a world pandemic? Lord, make things new. Is that, is that what was going on maybe on Wednesday night when NBA teams boycotted their own playoff games because another black life, Jacob Blake, went down? Lord, make things new. Is that the prayer of my friend who's participating in this online worship experience from his living room, an ache 
a pain, a sadness no one knows about, he doesn't want to talk about, and CNN surely is not going to headline, Lord, make things new. I wonder sometimes if the grand announcement, the eternal announcement, the trajectory of all of life, behold, I'm making all things new, gets offered back out of the circumstances of our lives, not as an announcement, but as a prayer, Lord, make it new. Listen with me to the story of God doing something new doing something new in the lives of people, I'm not even sure they could make, offer the prayer. That's how sad they were. This is from the book of Ezekiel. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. There were very many lying in the valley. And they were very dry. He led me all around them. He said to me, mortal, can these bones live? I said, oh, Lord, God, you know. He said to me, prophesy, mortal. Prophesy to the bones. And say to the bones, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you, and cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put my breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and suddenly there was a noise, a a, a rattling. The bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. He said to me, prophesy to the breath, mortal. Prophesy and say to the breath, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these that are slain that they may live. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and the breath came into them, and they stood on their feet, a vast multitude. He said to me, mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore, say to the bones, O dry bones, I will open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and return you to your own soil. I will put my own spirit in you. Then you shall know and you shall live, and then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken And will act, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14, if you want to find it in a Bible near you or the smartphone with you. I want you to notice with me where the hand of the Lord brought Ezekiel, what the word of the Lord said to Ezekiel, And then what happens next? All because, behold, I am making all things new in a world that's saying, Lord, make it new. Did you notice where the hand of the Lord brought Ezekiel? Listen to this. This is 
Verse 1, the hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the middle of a valley. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the middle of a valley. In, in, in the life of faith, we talk about peaks and valleys. We love the mountaintop experiences, the high highs of faith. We love the deep connection with God and with others that inspires us for life. And when you have them, love them, cherish them, covet them. And then there are the valleys, the dry seasons, the desolate places when doubt creeps in and pain settles in. Enjoy the peaks, celebrate the mountaintop, but notice the hand of the Lord came upon me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and he set me down in the middle of the valley. Ezekiel was brought to the valley. It was full of bones, bones so dry you could snap them with your bare hands. It's a vision. It's a metaphor. It's, it's, it, it, there aren't really actually bones in the valley. It's a way of saying our lives are like dry bones in a valley. The people of God had been exiled from their homes, taken from their practices and their customs and their people. They had been divided from their, them, their own selves in a certain way. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We're cut off completely. Soren Kierkegaard, author, existentialist, wrote a book titled The Sickness Unto Death. In it, he suggests death is not the end. Despair is the sickness unto death. I wonder if that's what it was like. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We're cut off completely. I wonder if if that's what it's like to be a person of color right now. Jacob Blake, another black life, goes down and things are not right, and things are not well. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We're cut off. I wonder if that's what it's like to be a kid trying online education. Maybe you read the same article I did. You saw the same picture I did, the five-year-old staring into a computer screen with a shirt over his face, weeping because he just can't get it. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We're cut off. I wonder if that's what it's like to be a police officer right now who got into the job because they wanted to do what it said to serve and protect, but now held in suspicion by so many. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We're cut off. I was sitting on the front lawn of Pillar this week talking to a friend of mine. Life's been hard for her. Family dynamics are tense. The job is overwhelming. Emotional health is collapsing. She said to me something like, Pastor, you talk about the realities of the world. You're too gentle. It's bad out there. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We're cut off completely. I want you to know where the hand of the Lord, I want you to notice where the hand of the Lord brings Ezekiel. He brings him to the valley. He brings him to the despair. He brings him to the pain. He brings him to the sickness unto death. He brings him to the ache and the heartache and the confusion and the question. He brings him there and he sets him down there. Our tendency is to run from pain, hide from pain, avoid conflict. Don't engage racial injustice because you don't know what to say. All the while, the hand of the Lord brings us to the valley. That's where the people of God go. 
That's what the people of God do. They go to the pain. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have the right formula to fix it right now, but you can be there. You can be present there and notice the spirit of the Lord is with you there. He brings Ezekiel to the valley and he stays with Ezekiel in the valley. wanted you to notice where the hand of the Lord brings Ezekiel. I also want you to notice what the word of the Lord says to Ezekiel in the valley. I love this. I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin, and I will put my breath in you, and you shall live. The Spirit of God announces in the valley life, life, Life. Isn't that what Jesus said? I've come that you might have life and have it in abundance. Isn't that what he said? I am the way and the truth and the life. Isn't that what he did? He descended from the glory of eternity, entered into the finite realities of humanity. He he suffered and died on the cross only to descend to the valley, we call it a grave, and come up in resurrection for life, full, whole, animated life. Speak life in the valley. Why? 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 Is it so hard for us to speak life in the pain? Why do we reduce ourselves to the argument? Why do we give ourselves up to the fight? Shock the world. Speak a kind word in the valley. Speak a word of encouragement in the valley. Speak a word of peace in the valley. Say you're forgiven to the offender and you're loved to the lonely. Speak life. It's interesting, the Ezekiel story, this, it, it, it doesn't happen right away. It, it, it takes a couple of tries. So I prophesied as I had commanded, and the, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling. The bones came together, bone to its bone, and there were, I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come up on them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. It was incomplete. It, it wasn't full. It reminds me a little bit of that miracle where Jesus heals the blind man, first touches his eyes, and he can see, but people look like trees. And then he touches him again a second time, and then he can see clearly. He says, prophesy to the breath. Mortal, prophesy and say to the breath, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these that are slain. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet, a vast multitude. It takes twice. It's double the effort. It's a a new creation story. Think about it this way. In Genesis 1, it's the retelling of God making the whole world, the big macro creation story, the sun, the moon, the stars, and people. But then Genesis 2, it's the micro creation story. God stoops down, breathes into the nostrils of the first man, the breath of life, and he becomes a living being. It takes twice. And here we are again. It takes twice. Among the things we can make of this, I'm going to make this. Now God will not stop until it's new. God will not stop until it's right. God will not stop until there's life. He's doggedly determined to accomplish his purposes in the world. Behold, I'm making all things new, and I will not stop. And the breath came into them, and they stood on their feet, a vast multitude. That's what happens next. They stood on their feet, a vast multitude. The great vision of glory. God is going to make all things new. Resurrection is going to be the reality. Renewal and recreation will be the day. 
That's what happens next. They stood on their feet, a vast multitude. I like the way C.S. Lewis puts it. Some people say no temporal suffering can make up for this agony, not realizing that heaven, once attained, will work back on life, taking even this agony and turning it into glory. They stood on their feet, a vast multitude. The vision of Ezekiel, the promise of God, is that the person of color who for too long has been pushed down and kept out will one day stand on the world stage singing a freedom song. They stood on their feet a vast multitude. The, the, the young boy crying into the screen because he just can't get it will one day be the teacher of the next generation. They stood on their feet a vast multitude. The police officer held in suspicion will one day walk arm in arm with his protester. They stood on their feet a vast multitude. Behold, I'm making all things new. That's what happens next. So let's get after it now. So on Wednesday, I, I brought my girls to school. It's, it's strange. It's a strange school year, at least the start of it. People are working so hard. Uh, they're working so hard, but it's hard. It's hard to know what the right decision is for your kids. It's, uh, for some, it's online education is the only option. For some, it's the preferred option, and they're staring in the screens, and they're doing the best they can. For others, it's sending their kids to school with masks and distance, and it's all so strange. I brought Tabitha. Uh, Lydia was in the front seat, and Mariah was with us in the back seat, brought Tabitha to her first day of school, masked and backpacked, walked in with her cousin Ahava. And then it was Lydia, I dropped her off on those big sidewalks for that big building and those big people, so proud of her. And I cried a little too. And then it was Mariah, Mariah, the fifth grader now, the eldest in the K-5 program. She was so excited. I asked her at one point, what are you more excited about, the first day of school or Christmas? And she was like, hmm, that's a hard one. She was so excited. She had her pink shorts on and her pink bow in her hair. We pulled up to the school on 32nd and Venralti. It was surrounded by kids, also masked, also backpacked, standing next to bigger people who were so worried. Watching a mom kiss her kid off to school behind a mask was a little more than I could take. It's probably because I've got this story in my heart and mind. I'm looking at all of this. It looks like the Hunger Games to me, and I'm looking at all of this, and I'm thinking our, our, our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We're cut off completely. So that's what I'm thinking on the first day of school. Great dad. As I'm watching Mariah, we didn't, we didn't know the protocol, so I, I got out of the car with her. We walked over to the front of the school. We found the principal. We asked a few questions. She helped us out. And I said, thank you so much for your work. She said, you're welcome. And then a few minutes later, the principal gave the signal and the gate opened. The kids started streaming like salmon towards the, the school. And I'm watching Mariah walk off to school, and I'm thinking, their bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We're cut off completely. And Rai keeps turning around, waving at me. She's got her little pink bow, and she's skipping, and she's jumping, and she's waving at me. And I'm going, what? who are you? And it dawned on me, of course, Rai Rai, you go, Rai Rai. You go, girl. You get into that school with your skip and your jump and your pink bow and your pink shorts because you know what's next. They stood on their feet a vast multitude. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.